0: You're tuned into... The Mag Podcast. Online source for horror, thriller, and sci-fi entertainment news.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ken Artuz, founder and editor for DKMAG.com. That is D-E-C-A-Y-M-A-G.com. And in this podcast, we have two exclusive interviews. One is the writer and director for the upcoming horror film, The Ice Cream Truck. And her name is Megan Frius Johnson. In our second interview, we'll be featuring Stuart Spark. Mr. Spark, his name is familiar. Last year, we reviewed his film, The Creature Below. And now he has another film, The Book of Monsters, which is currently on crowdfunding platform and it's on its 11th day and it's a crucial project that they need every penny in order for this project to get off the ground in addition we have some upcoming news on movies tv and trailer reviews joining me for this podcast is
2: stacy cox
3: staff correspondent for dk mad world stitcher
0: invasion of the body snatchers remake
3: invasion of the body snatchers is getting yet another remake warner brothers and john davis is producing david leslie johnson is penning the project it will be based on the 1954 sci-fi novel written by author jack Finney. nor other information is known at this time stay tuned for updates the synopsis the story takes place in a small town invaded by aliens who plant pods that eventually open to become humans a copy of those who lived in the town one by one each citizen falls prey to these aliens as the pods are dropped alongside their beds mature as they sleep and then replicate the human as they sleep the alien the alien humans which shows zero emotion, then start multiplying in the town. This is slowly figured out by a local doctor who tries to stop it. And all the while, he and the audience never know who is real and who is an alien ready to kill. Uh, Now, Ken, I know you know more about Invasion of the Body Structures than I do. Didn't you say this was like the fourth remake?
1: Wow, you make me sound so old with that comment. Ha.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh Well, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I'm not that old, but I know this is the fact. Uh they had a 1956 version. They had a 1976 version. This one is the most popular one because it starred Donald Sutherland and uh you may even if you haven't seen the film Uh, There's a scene that's very iconic that Donald Sutherland he starts screaming and pointing Uh, It is that it's at at that point that his character has become one of these alien creatures and Throughout the film he himself was trying to fight these creatures. So that was the climatic ending in 2007 Nicole Kidman and Daniel Gregg uh, Daniel Gregg is uh, the latest actor to portray James Bond, for those who do not know. And The Invasion was the name of that film. Uh, I I did not see the film, only bits and pieces of it. Um, from what I gather, you know, it's, if you've seen the 1978 version, you pretty much know what's going on. So, another remake. You know... How many times do we have to stress this, uh, Stacy?
3: Yes, um, I have never seen any of them, and even I'm up there like really another. Re-? I mean, for me, it was new. You know, I was like, oh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is getting a remake. I've never seen this, and then I find out it's been remade four times. I'm like, well, well, okay. <laughs> I'm not excited anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> hey,
1: yeah. Uh, the film, the concept of the film, is very interesting. Uh, you have these alien uh, beings who want to take over the world, and the only way they can do it is to replicate humans. Uh, that's a very interesting concept. That reminds me of the the thing. That was another creature, alien creature that replicates. Uh, different type of creatures and humans and so you don't know who's who. That is where the thriller comes in but another remake, you know come on. I- I'd rather watch the 1978 version if if I want to get interested in this uh, narrative. So would you say invasions of
3: the body snatchers even then as far back as the 1956 um, was like a path to
1: other alien films today oh yeah of course um there was one film in particular it's an indie film i believe it's called inhuman uh yeah that one it took elements of the invasion of the body snatchers concept and in that film you would see you know these creature, these alien creatures replicating themselves to make themselves look human and they could walk among the human populace without getting noticed. There are countless other films that have adapted this narrative.
3: That's good, I have to uh, find it and watch it. Um, the original and the one with Donald Trump
1: in 1978. Yeah, um, if you appreciate those campy lines from the 50s, yeah, uh, you, you could give that one a watch. But uh, the, the 1978 version is pretty... It's it looks modern even for so many years it's what almost over 40 years yeah and it it looks modern the the thrill is there uh you would enjoy it so i would advise anybody who want to you know explore just watch that film just skip these remakes i
3: agree
0: Anne Hathaway stars in Contained
1: Thriller. Anne Hathaway, she's going to be starring in an upcoming science fiction thriller, and it's titled Zero Two. Uh, it's a containment thriller, and if anyone who is not aware of a containment thriller, it's one of those films that only features one actor or actress, and they were confined inside a. A situation that they have to find a way out before the time runs out you have films such as buried I believe uh, gravity as well uh, so this is Anne Hathaway's second venture into a sci-fi film the screen this film is written by Christine Leblanc and Anne Hathaway will portray a woman who wakes up inside a cryogenic chamber She has no memory of how she got there and now she must find a way to escape the chamber before her air runs out. Uh, Of course, if you've seen these other films such as Buried, you know that there's a timestamp before the protagonist has to escape. This is what builds the thriller in these films. And as I mentioned before, it is a one act of film so far i am global they closed the deal to finance the film and it would begin filming 2017 in the fall so definitely keep your eye out for this for more news on o2 so stacy uh what is your opinion on o2 uh this is as I mentioned before a containment type movie so it's one actor inside an isolated place they must find a way to escape.
3: I like the concept um, I can't think if I've seen any movies with this concept of cryogenics and everything is um, very interesting and the Hathaway it's nice to see her branching out because I'm used to her starring in more so, but you know, romance and drama movies so this is uh, very nice um, but yeah I, I, I don't know if I've seen any movies from uh, revolving this thing, have you?
1: yes, yes I've seen I've seen buried and. Um, i'm familiar with that type of concept uh the thrill is that you know the person has to escape uh, whatever it is that they're in is either a coffin or they're in a trunk i believe one movie that i seen the guy was in a trunk and he was going undergoing some type of training uh mental training as a cop and uh you know, you get you connect with the character on a certain level because they have a time frame to escape so you're like oh is this person going to escape or not usually these films have a twist at the end which yeah they do escape but they escape into something either much worse or the whole thing was just a game and yeah it's it's most of the time it's a twist so you can look forward to that with this o2 film
4: yeah, I'm
1: definitely looking forward to it, um, and I have to watch more films involving this thing in general. Yeah, uh, yeah, you will like it. It's a good thriller. These are these are thrillers, and Anne Hathaway. She started in. You mentioned that uh, you used to seeing her on rom coms. Uh, so have I, and uh, she was recently in the film Colossal, which was that. Uh, kaiju type creature that was destroying cities and she had a mental connection with that creature I believe we had covered that in our previous podcast back in season 4 I did not care for it I think it was just ridiculous and that one according to INDB released in 2016 I haven't heard from it I haven't seen it I don't know if it came out on DVD so I think it bombed (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) yeah i haven't i was gonna say i haven't watched it but you just said it you know you haven't seen it come out right no 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 she's been uh i mean anne hathaway i i appreciate some of her films yeah i have some uh guilty pleasures some of her films were okay you know in need you know when she started watching the film And you're sitting in the same room is no avoiding watching Princess Diaries. Oh God. Yeah. I was
3: gonna say I know for Princess Diaries.
1: Yeah, you
3: know. Um, Oh, The Devil Wears Prada. Uh, Ah, I see
1: (laughs) that. Oh, Alice in Wonderland. She was the
3: White Queen.
1: Yes, she was. Yes, she was. And of course, she was in some utterly bad films like the intern uh i guess she's venturing into sci-fi to branch out her acting career but as i had mentioned i haven't heard nothing from colossal did it come out of the movies did it come out on dvd yeah so let's see yeah uh, you know usually you see a commercial uh you know in the in the movies and or something like that I only seen one commercial on tv of for colossal and that was it like what happened to it yeah once you start making a godzilla-like creature and you put a comedy spin behind it uh people are not gonna appreciate that it says right here april 21
3: 2017
1: canada canada well i guess canadians got to see a bomb before we did (laughs) Wow, poor poor Canadians, I tell you, wow, but, Uh, they're such nice people, (laughs) yes they are, yes they are, Uh, they don't deserve this torture, wow, well, but, even, in the INDB there is no word on the filmography for O2 under Anne Hathaway's uh, profile but they do have Serenity so uh, for people for fans that have followed Serenity I believe that would be a a plus right there so let's see let's see what happens with O2
0: Purge 4 gets director.
3: The Purge 4 is well underway, Gerard McNurey will direct, he is known for burning sands. James DeMonaco will co-write the project. The release date is slated for July 4, 2018, no other information is known at this time. As the plot details are being kept secret, stay tuned for updates. However, something interesting to note, The Purge television series is also in the works, produced by Blumhouse and Universal Cable Productions. More information on that later as it progresses as well. Ken, what do you uh, think about this, The Purge for as well as a uh, television series coming up?
1: Uh, I'm a big fan of The Purge. Uh, it's a very interesting concept uh... there are some legal issues behind that uh... someone is taking uh, uh... taking the production team to court stating that the idea was stolen i'm not too sure what is the status of that case Um meanwhile i guess the purge is going to be one of those films that they're going to milk in every way possible but. There is so much expansion for this film, you could take it in so many different directions with so many different characters uh, that it it would not feel tired. Uh, Frank Grillo, I believe he doesn't want to portray his role again and he starred in part two and part three. Uh, He provided that the Frank Castle Punisher type uh, character. I appreciated his role very uh, action uh, action hero type role as for the purge the narrative I want to see what they're going to do because the way part 3 ended you know there was going to be another part to this for those who haven't seen it this is what happens yeah I'm gonna give you a spoiler the purge all the founding fathers they got taken care of so the purge should not happen at all but those who did appreciate the founding fathers' ideology are doing riots. Even when the purge finished, they continued into the sunset, creating riots, havoc. So it doesn't it doesn't necessarily fall under a purge anymore. It's just people going crazy just to put back these uh, the, the ideology that you have to kill your neighbor. So. Let's see what happens with that. I'm, I'm, I'm curious for both the TV show and for the next installment. Uh, Stacy, have you seen any of the Purge films?
3: Still only the first one. <laughs> I still have yet to see two or three. Uh, and I did like the first one. I did like the first one. Um, I keep saying I'm going to get around to watching the second or third one. Just haven't yet. <laughs>
1: oh you have to you have to uh get up on it because uh see part four is in its way and tv shows so you don't want to be left out in the in the dust and figuring out what's going on hey,
4: um, I'm, a, I'm a watching, so.
1: part two is more action oriented is on the streets uh the violent content is not as high uh, well, none of the none of the films have high violent content. Uh, part three, no, it didn't have anything like spectacularly gory. It's just uh, action, thriller, horror, if you want to put categor- categorization. So, it all these films remind me of the Warriors, this old film back in the 70s where. Uh, members of a gang had to go across Brooklyn and to the other boroughs into their safe house because they were hunted down by other gang members. That's what The Purge reminds me of. And I take it you haven't seen the Warriors, have you, Stacy? No, I haven't.
3: <laughs>
1: it's a classic. It's a classic. If you watch The Purge, part two and three, and then you watch the Warriors. Then you got to know, uh, you know, the comparison that I'm giving you, because in the Warriors, it all happens in one evening as well.
3: Yeah, um, I'm definitely gonna watch them soon, and I agree with what you said earlier about it can go very far. But I don't think you know the production team is really tapping into its potential like they should.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. The Purge, it could get more grittier. It could get more violent. And the kills could be more gruesome. I mean, push push the R envelope. You know, if it's going to be rated R, push it a little further. And uh, see how far you can go by providing content. Um, there are some horror films that are coming out with very hard r ratings for example i just finished watching the trailer for leatherface that one has a hard r rating Uh, the hills have eyes as well that was pretty uh gritty if the purge could get gritty like that they will call attention to the horror community saying wow this is what the purge is supposed to be
3: To watch those trailers i didn't
1: even know they were coming out with another *Hills have i no 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 they're not i was just using that, that for reference no i was just using that for reference okay. because uh if you have watched those films you could see the grittiness uh the director was going for Alexandra aja he he really pushed the anti on violence in that film and they could do that with the purge definitely if they could do that in part four that would be great well the thing is
3: they may piss off um, Hollywood if they do
1: that well it's not Hollywood that is getting pissed off it's the MPAA they're the ones who rate these films they're the Mm -hmm. ones who say what goes and what doesn't go in the film so that way it can have either a PG-13 rated R or PG rating so those are the uh, the guys and gals at that company that define what's, what's the rating for a film.
3: Ah, okay. Yeah, and if they really do that, then, well, you know, like you said, he could get away with a lot. Yeah, if he really pushed the R envelope to um, where it could still be released in the theaters as well. Right. Heck, Rob Zombie did it, right? 31
1: yeah but it was a limited uh, uh cinema release and he was fighting so hard for his vision to come out and it never happened uh so if you want to see something like that it's gonna go straight to dvd vod yeah, that should be the case you should have a horror movie you should have your vision conveyed on screen how you want it just as long as it doesn't incite some type of uh, controversy in some way. Give your vision. But no, Hollywood, Hollywood has become such pussies. And the MPAA people have become pussies as well because look at the horror films back in the day. Yeah, that's a comparison. Yeah, very true.
3: Which is why um, I'm starting to watch more underground films.
1: Which you said you're starting to watch more underground films?
3: Yeah, underground horror films. I'm starting to watch more of those. Um, um, films that have come out like. Hollywood-wise, lately, like, um, not all of them have been that great. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess I'm excited for Wish Upon Me coming out. I don't know if I'm excited for that or not. Honestly, the trailer looks exciting, but I'm getting mixed reviews. But, you know, and then it's, it's PG-13.
1: There you go. Like, see,
3: who wants to watch a PG-13 movie? <laughs> Nobody.
1: Go to Disney. So,
3: somebody, but yeah. You know, <laughs> I
1: mean, yes, horror should not be people
3: thirteen. That, that's that's and a if it blasphemy. it is, it's not horror.
1: That's a blasphemy. If it is, it's not horror. No, it's
3: it, not. It is, so.
1: And also with the TV show for the Purge, I hope that it would be gritty. And you, if you've seen horror on television lately, they are pushing the envelope. I'm saying, look at Hannibal look at the the fear the walking dead the um the strain there the horror elements is like wow this is for television this is incredible hey the purge could do that as a tv series yeah i'm looking for uh like i said i'm a big fan of the concept of the narrative it has potential it has potential and it contradicts what we've been talking about before for films, transitioning over to television. You see, i got to say, you know, this is one circumstance that it may work. It may, that's the key word, may work. So we got to have to wait and see.
0: Sandra Bullock stars in Bed Box.
1: Sandra Bullock is set to star in an upcoming Netflix film titled Bird Box. This is an apocalyptic thriller and Suzanne Beer will direct from a screenplay written by Eric Heisserer. I hope that's how you pronounce his name. Eric Heisserer, he penned the film arrival the synopsis is very interesting because it's based off the 2014 novel written by Josh Meller Mann. and the story is set in a post apocalyptic future where a mother this is the character that Sandra Bullock is going to portray and her two young children are among a small group of survivors After a mysterious alien force has driven the world's population to deadly violence, the three must make their way on a terrifying journey 20 miles in a rowboat while blindfolded with nothing to rely on but the mother's wits and the children's trained ears. Bird Box is the latest film from Netflix. And as we all know, Netflix has been on a roll lately with original content. Uh, Everything from series to original films, Bird Box has caught my eye. Uh, This is a very interesting narrative. And if you wanna catch up on this storyline before the film comes out, pick up the 2014 novel, written by Josh Malaman. Uh Stacy uh, what is your opinion on this film for my opinion this is pretty interesting
3: uh, yeah and you already know I love the apocalypse it's one of my favorite topics one of my favorite things and um, yeah reading the synopsis it definitely sounds interesting in a robot blindfolded with nothing to oh wow it's um, that has hyped me
4: up. That, just that line right
1: there has hyped me up. I guess the adults must be committing violence if they, if they look at something or if they have their eyes open because it does, if, if you read it, the kids' trained ears. Hmm. It only says... Oh, blindfolded. Okay, yeah, so I guess all three are blindfolded. I'm trying to make out, you know, a little bit deeper into the narrative. So, yeah, all three are blindfolded. So, yeah, so my theory is correct. Uh, The violence must come if if the persons have their eyes open. Because why would they be blindfolded?
3: Very true. Yeah, I like it. I can't wait for it
1: yeah and of course sandra bullock uh she is a very well accomplished actress uh she has done action she's been doing comedy she fits into comedy so perfectly she always portrays that clumsy person uh usually in the uh, uh law enforcement type of environment yeah she's a good actress she's She's one of my uh, personal favorite actresses.
3: I like Sandra um, Bullock as well. It's been a while since I last seen a movie with her, but she is a great actress.
1: As a matter of fact, she was in Gravity. and
3: Yeah, I have to watch that. I have not seen it yet
1: you haven't seen gravity oh my gosh that's no, like that was that 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 ties into the first film that i just finished uh, presenting uh o2 gravity also ties into that single person protagonist trapped inside confined inside an area and they have to find a way out gravity portrays that film. So if you want to see a film about containment check out gravity. you
3: yeah, check that out
1: And of course Sandra Bullock she's no stranger to horror and thriller. she was in the premonition. That was fairly recently as well. That was in what 2006 2007 I believe. I take it you haven't seen that one i haven't seen
3: okay i'm mean, a miss congeniality and the fine side <laughs> those movies are have seen the power.
1: oh wow are well, you going way back those are i know what I 20 know years ago so I
3: was... yeah i know it's... i mean where ain't been that
1: Lost, I've seen them, but it's been a while now, yeah. Well, as I stated, you could check out Gravity, uh, that ties in from my first uh article that I just spoke about, and um, yeah, I am definitely looking forward to uh, Bird Box. Uh, and as I stated before, Netflix is on a roll, they have been dishing out great stuff lately, so. I think the only one that they failed was with Adam Sandler Uh, that was just one debacle right there for that but I don't care for comedy anyway but from the reviews that I have read and the uh, the news articles about the content of that film you know that was one bomb one bomb out of what 50 or so, (laughs) so so it's pretty good good track record
0: exclusive interview Megan Friels-Johnston Director-Writer The Ice Cream Truck
3: The Ice Cream Truck will release in theaters on August 18, 2017 written and directed by Megan Friels-Johnston The cast stars Deanna Rufo Emil Johnson and John Rettlinger The synopsis Mary's husband gets relocated Paid for work, which allows her to move back to her suburban hometown. As her family ties the loose ends back home, Mary moves into her new house all alone and waits. Although her familiar suburb is a constant reminder for youth, something seems strange. A local ice cream man with a love for nostalgia starts to kill some of her neighbors. Mary is torn between her mature instincts that something is wrong and the distracting memories of her younger days. I had the pleasure of reviewing the ice cream truck, and I am glad that I did. Ever since we started covering this film, I had high hopes for it. The trailers were packed with mystery, suspense, and intrigue. However, they were very minimal. We had to wait for the movie to see how it progressed. The theme is familiar, yet it's unique. I think the direction Johnston took heightened the innovation. Not to mention the cast did extremely well, especially Emil Johnson as the ice cream man. I go into more detail in the review article, but I love this character's demeanor, the perfect example of a split personality. Ken, have you watched the ice cream truck yet? And what were your thoughts on you given up?
1: well the ice cream truck i you know what i enjoyed the slasher concept is given that quirkiness uh and that quirkiness is so unique to the film uh you know i during the interview i had mentioned uh the the backdrop for this slasher that you're taking it out of an element that you're accustomed to you know like in the woods and something similar to that type of environment and you bring it to the suburb. And Johnston, she made a good point. You know, Halloween actually took place in in a suburb, uh, which I overlooked that fact, uh, but it plays so well here in the ice cream truck. I mean, wow, it's, it's so quirky, yet it just grabs your attention and the, the thriller. It has everything, just wrapped up in a in a unique package. That's my opinion on the film.
3: I definitely agree. Um, I, watched <laughs> just, I watched it twice. I watched it twice. I love
1: it Yeah, it's one of those films that uh, people in the horror community are going to enjoy because it's different. You don't have the the typical serial killer doing his thing and, you know, the female protagonist or, you know, they're, uh, you know, pretty cliche. Now, this is a defining film right here. That's what that's the word I would put for this film. I appreciate the the female protagonist. In my opinion, she changed from act one to act three, a totally different person when the film uh, finished. Uh, Don't you agree? Did you see that transformation that she had?
3: Yes, I did. And also, what did you think about about the delivery guy? <laughs> the ice cream what man. What did you think about the delivery guy?
1: No, no, the yeah, and the ice cream. No,
3: the delivery guy. That was um, John Redlinger. What did you think about him?
1: Hmm. I had better. I had better opinion with uh, the ice cream man than with the delivery man. For some reason, it just clicked. Okay. Like I've seen that character before
3: yeah he was just so weird like the way he kept looking at her and just standing there i'm just like dude what is your deal (laughs) yeah go away
1: yeah it's it remind me of like that robin williams character he played something like that so i'm like yeah i you know yeah
3: the, the neighbors uh were they not their characters were they not annoying
1: you see ah the the Neighbors remind me uh, like a bit their demeanor their like snooty type thing like something close to like Scream Queen something well not to make a comparison but that's uh, you know overall like that uh, that's, that's the type of vibe that they, that they emanated Definitely. but as you had stated The ice cream man did convey a unique perspective to a character. That that I that is the type of role that shines in this film.
3: And you interviewed Megan Phelps Johnston. Um, Here is Ken Artuz's interview.
1: My name is Ken Artuz, founder and editor for DKMag.com, and I'm joined by. Megan Friels Johnston. She's the writer and director for the upcoming horror film, The Ice Cream Truck. Thank you for joining me this afternoon, Ms. Johnston.
2: Yes, thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you. And uh, unlike uh, traditional interviews uh, with the random questions, I'm going to engage in, uh, uh, in a conversation regarding your upcoming film and The first uh, thing of interest is what compelled the storyline to have an ice cream truck driver as the protagonist, as the antagonist.
2: I lived in an area of Los Angeles that had a bunch of ice cream trucks and they played that jingle over and over again. And they also served, happened to serve real ice cream, which I thought was shocking. (laughs) And uh, you know, it just, it would permeate into my house, the the music that it played. And it, it just, it inspired the story. And I thought there's something here. And I was so shocked that people would just buy regular ice cream out of a truck without any form of restaurant license, or they didn't know who this person was. And it just struck me as something very suburban and very unusual. And it just kind of Went from there.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's pretty funny because uh, here and we're in New York City, and ice cream trucks are everywhere. It's very mm-hmm. hard to find an ice cream truck that serves real ice cream these days.
2: Right, I know it's not the norm. The one in my area even went as far as to serve things like banana splits. I mean, that's a pretty extravagant thing to order from a car, you know? Right,
1: right. Wow, I could understand that, and the approach for this film. It's, it's its intriguing, the plot. What was your vision on drafting the script and did it fulfill from your initial concept to the final product on screen?
2: Um, I don't outline when I write. I write as a viewer. And so I kind of let the characters take me in the direction that they are going. So I just started writing. I knew I wanted a mid-30s, female character who was a mom um, that seemed like a character that you don't often see in the genre space and so it started from there and then I knew obviously I was going to have a villain that was an ice cream man and that's about all I knew and then I just started writing it and about halfway through the script or even more I learned (laughs) that there was an actual movie from the nineties called the ice cream man. So then I had to rent that and make sure that what I was doing was nothing similar, which it was not. So then I just kept going. And then I actually, mine mine was initially titled the ice cream man. And so I switched it to the ice cream truck because of that other project.
1: I see. Yeah. That's so common these days, especially in the horror genre. So many films share same titles, and it could get confusing. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Well, especially in the horror genre, because I would think, like, there are only so many metaphors for scary words <laughs> that you can <laughs> use over and over again. You
3: exactly.
2: Know, that, you know, tortured or whatever, captive, <laughs> <Those> <laughs> all sorts yeah. of titles like that.
1: Right. And... and you start using the word so many times that it starts losing its initial effect mm-hmm. and for the script um it's very interesting you have the suburban setting it's a a totally different pace from what we see in a, a slasher film uh ex you know um we're not seeing the typical max person chasing the female antagonist in the woods in the dark woods so mm-hmm. in creating this storyline what was the approach uh your your demographic um, your target audience when you were initially composing this whole thing
2: well the first slasher film halloween was very slow paced and not very much gore at all um but I wouldn't say that it's modeled after Halloween, but I would say that the films that I'm drawn to tend to be more slow and brooding. Uh, Roman Polanski, for example, or Hitchcock. I like a lot of space and I like to see what characters are thinking between dialogue. And I think kind of mundane moments when you're alone are interesting. So I try to put those in my films and, and hope I can do it in a way that is not boring for the viewer you know which is it's hard but i think that's more interesting and more suspenseful than just everything being so quick and in your face
1: absolutely yes and within this day and age our audiences now they want instant gratification and that's uh, why i had asked the question because with this instant gratification people want explosions people want in your face in this film it is a it gradually rises from act one to act three. And that's a refreshing pace uh, in comparison to other films on the market.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I there. I think my new project is the only script that I've written, or at least in, in a while, that has like a, a kill in the beginning. You know, that's something that people always want. They want something right away because the viewers will... Be bored, or just you know, attention deficit gets in the way, and they need something right away. Um, but for this film, you know, I think the delivery man is scary, and you know, one of the scariest parts of the film. So, even though you know, something super terrible doesn't happen in the beginning, to me, that is a scare at the beginning of the film. So, it, it just depends on what your idea of scary is and i'm a woman so my idea of scary is different from a male director
1: Mm, that's an interesting perspective um more we see now in in recent years more female directors they're pushing the envelope for horror films and i've seen this gradual change uh of respect towards uh uh these ideas so what is your mm-hmm. perspective on this evolution that we are currently seeing now?
2: I think it's great that women are starting to enter the space. Um, it's It typically had been a very male-dominated place. It, it still is to some degree. So I'm glad that films like The Babadook are coming out and really, you know, people are making a name for themselves because it's a different point of view. So I hope it just continues.
1: Right, right. And for the protagonist, um, I've seen her evolution from act one to act three. She changes dramatically. Um, Can you give some insight on this character's evolution?
2: Yeah, I... I am a mid-30s mom, and I think, you know, whether you're a woman or a man, I think there are times in our lives where we kind of, we long for what it was like to be young, and just like the memories of summer bliss, where there is, you don't have all the responsibilities. And so... I think this was kind of a time travel experience for her. And she was just kind of toying with that feeling with her family being gone of what it was like to be young in the summer again. And so she kind of gradually transforms into a more youthful version of herself.
1: Right. And the scene from... from. Uh... The film developed in that way, I could see that she wants her type of change, that her mindset, she wants to evolve into another being. And then she confronts the ice cream truck guy. It's
2: mm-hmm. totally
1: not what she was expecting.
2: <laughs> right. Exactly. And, so, yeah. yeah, I think Deanna Russo did an amazing job in the film.
1: Yes, yeah, she did. She did. And from a, from a business perspective, um, what are the challenges in creating an indie film, composing it, and getting the right people on board into making it, bringing this project off the ground?
2: I mean, your main challenge is always money. Because if you're not working with millions of dollars, you, people are going to be making perhaps less than what they could if they were making you know, a Marvel movie. So they have to really like you, and they have to like your project so and and that's kind of one in the same so I've I've been fortunate enough to work with the same people twice now and you know I music is a huge thing for me obviously this film has an amazing score um so you know it's really it's it's very important so it's just I think money is always the challenge of independent filmmaking you have to wear you have to work more jobs and you have to work harder than you normally would have to and work longer in terms of, you know, if you're making an independent film, it's going to be years of your life because you have to, you know, you're promoting it post-production, pre-production, all sorts of things. So you have to be ready to work and really appreciate your team because they're essentially believing in you.
1: Right. Right. And uh, once that belief, you're the engine that drives everything forward. So once the engine starts getting slower, everybody starts, it trickles down and the project won't take off.
2: Right. We initially we didn't get as much money as we had initially planned, but we Mm -hmm. had so many people on board and we had our start date. So we ended up just going with the lesser amount rather than pushing it because if you push your start date in, in filmmaking, it's the kiss of death. So we were like, full, <laughs> the engine went forward anyway, and it worked out. I mean, it really did. So we're we're lucky. But that's right. just part of filmmaking.
1: Right, right. You have to uh, pull, go with the punches and and, and and take the challenges as they come.
2: Absolutely. And you have to be able to compromise things or your vision sometimes when it comes to the financial stuff or if, like let's say an actor were to drop out like you have to just be able to be bending
1: right absolutely um f- so for ag- again for from the business perspective uh, i've spoken to other directors and they mentioned the money the purpose of the money for for filmmaking is to stretch out time and what they essentially mean by that is, if you want to put the time into giving more post-production effects, more special effects, that money generated will give you that time. Do you believe in this type of philosophy?
2: Well, I don't believe in that philosophy only because I'm a producer first and foremost, and so I would never write special effects into my project. Yeah, right. So, um, you know, I, I've had, I have some special effects, not anything that would ever be noticeable. Sometimes it's just fixing something that a shot that looks wrong and you need someone to, for that. But yeah, I don't do special effects, but post-production if you have a team in place can be easy with my first film post-production was really stressful because I didn't have a team yet. And I had to compile that team on a budget. Whereas this film everyone who had worked on my first film was happy to come on board for the second one. So it was relatively easy for me. I, there was not much of a struggle.
1: Fantastic. And it all pulls into a wonderful end product. And in, mm-hmm. in, and in saying that, what is the future now for the ice cream truck? We got to have a release uh, on the, in August, 2017. Yes. And it'll
2: be in a theater in LA, and it'll be on VOD. Um, anywhere you can run a movie, and then I believe it will come out on DVD in November and uh, Blu-ray. We put together a bunch of special features for the
0: Blu-ray.
1: Ah, the that's the that's the best selling point right there. People enjoy <laughs> the behind-the-scenes factors and and the bloopers. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we have outtakes, we have behind the murder scenes in the sense of, like, how we shot some of the murders and and showed the takes, like, the kind of before and and afters. And we also did an audio commentary.
1: Ah, so the audio commentary follows the film.
2: I guess it's, like, it'll be a separate thing, but, yeah, so those are going to be our special features. Because, I, you know, I was a person who loved watching that stuff, too. So I wanted to make sure that we did our best to try to give something back for the Blu-ray.
1: Great. Great. Uh, That that sounds exciting. Uh, And what are in your plans for the future? What are your visions for the horror genre? What do you have working on now?
2: I have a project called hunting season that I hope to shoot next year. So if everything falls in line, that will be the goal for next summer. And it is the most fitting next project for me. And it's probably my most straight horror thriller. It's a little more violent and, and darker. It's not as kind of fun. I mean, it's fun, but it's not as bubble gummy as the ice cream truck. So I think the horror fans will really like it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but that is that is a <laughs> that's a funny way of putting it. Uh, uh, I thought you were going to go with uh, sweet.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it, you know, there's a, a kind of I wouldn't say it's campy, but it it definitely has some you know humor to it. Whereas my next project is not so funny. All right. It's more and, scary.
1: I, I don't believe you know. Watching the film, I don't remember seeing another slasher film that actually takes uh, a dark comedy-ish type of vibe and infuse it so well into a slasher film. Um, you, in your opinion, do you see like this genre continuously evolving to allow other subgenres to to, to make it work? Because we already seen so many cliché films already. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion on that?
2: I have to thank the actors. I mean, I think especially the ice cream man's lines, I always found to be amusing and some of the neighbors dialogue, but their delivery really made it funny and I have to give them credit for that because they really brought it to the screen in, the great, in a great way. I think there's always going to be subgenres in horror because the horror community is like the greatest film community. So people are always wanting more content and they're not going to want the same thing over and over again. So it it forces filmmakers to be more creative and give something original, you know, and with this film I always knew that there would be people that didn't think it was, scary enough or, you know, gross enough and so that they wouldn't like it. But I'm so pleasantly surprised at how many people are loving this movie and maybe because they, they were bored of seeing the same thing over and over again. The yes. audience is who dictates what they want, not, not producers, not financiers, because it's the audience who is going to come out and watch it.
1: That is the best comment of the day. And I I believe that 100 percent, unfortunately, uh, in Hollywood, that is not the case, because sometimes you have a good idea and it gets tainted and uh, many uh, um, investors want to see it their way. And ultimately, the film gets diluted. Well, that's
2: one of the reasons we ended up making this film for less money than we had anticipated, because some of the investors didn't get it or they wanted a different cast you know, Mm. the people they would want for the ice cream man would have just, it would have cheapened the film because they just wanted a name, regardless of whether or not they would do a good job with the, the part or understood the part, which is a very nuanced performance. And, you know, ultimately we were like, no, (laughs) we're going to make this movie the way we want to do it and just trust our guts. And, and that's what we did. And had we gone with some other people, To be involved it really may not have been as good of a execution so you're
1: absolutely right right and once again for the fans this is this is what the fans the horror community strive for the independent circuit is really uh innovative we have filmmakers that are striving to change and provide different content and this is the growth right here in this in this platform for this genre.
2: Well, I hope people check it out, and I hope people continue to watch films that are different than what they're used to as well. You know.
1: Yeah, precisely. And uh, the platform is open. If you can't share some uh, so um, social networking links or more information on how to get a get a hold of the ice cream truck, uh, and the platform is open.
2: Um, we have a Twitter. We're Ice Cream Truck 3 on Twitter. It's Ice Cream Truck Movie on Instagram. We have a Facebook page and all that stuff, too. So if anyone ever has questions or wants to reach out to us that way, we would be happy.
1: Great. Thank you. And one final question. Mm-hmm. What were some of the uh, the interaction between fans and and the the production, how important is that to have that connection with the community?
2: Oh, huge, huge for me. I, you know, my first film, Rebound, was a a smaller film. And I am so grateful that the horror community reviewed it, you know, liked it despite its faults. They were very supportive of what, you know, my voice and what I was trying to do. And I think the, the horror community in general is fantastic. And I'm so honored that it's a genre I, I like to work in because they really are, I think, the best film community. The indie community used to be like that. It's not really anymore. Now it's mm. the, the genre community is the one that supports new filmmakers and treats every film kind of equally. And it's, I think it's a wonderful thing. So I love Absolutely. the people who watch you know, my films and I, I read the comments and, you know, when they're thoughtful, it, it's, it's great. So when your film means something to someone or they get it or they can relate, like that's the greatest gift as a filmmaker.
1: Yes, yes. That definitely makes your day uh, as a creative artist. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for for this interview opportunity. Greatly appreciate all the wonderful answers you have provided.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
1: Likewise, and uh, best of luck to your endeavors, and uh, have a great day.
0: Exclusive interview: Stuart Spark, director, *The Book of Monsters*.
1: I had the pleasure of interviewing Stuart Spark and last year we had covered his film the creature below and if you haven't checked out our review or the film be sure to visit DK Mag and type in the creature below there i give uh, my uh, my overview of this film it contained that female protagonist and uh, it's, it's a creature feature very compelling film and uh yeah do check that one that film out but this interview is not about the creature below it this interview is actually for mr spark's crowdfunding campaign for his next film the book of monsters and this is a very interesting perspective stacy check this out the book of monsters people could donate to the campaign no nothing surprising there and you get of course you get your prizes nothing surprising there but check this out everyone who makes a donation has a say they make a choice on the monster that's going to be featured in the film how certain characters will die and by that I mean a gruesome death you get to pick the death you get to pick the weapon uh you know that is that is very interactive and that gives the donors a chance to be a part of the film not only hey here's five dollars I contributed to this film no here's five dollars I want this creature and this kill and when the movie comes out they'll say wow I picked that scene what do you think about that that is innovative Stacy don't you agree
3: yes and I absolutely love that concept. And as I mentioned in the crowdfunding article that, it just, it just made me think of the Goosebumps schools to choose your own scary ending. Um, <clears throat> uh, and it's just such a great idea. So the backers, the supporters can be a part of film no matter what. You know what level of contribution you put towards and then also you know you have more ideas coming in you have you have more create creativity so that's why i'm like you know i hope these faculty supporters have creative minds and are you know what i'm saying very innovative in their thinking because i'm expecting to see some pretty hard kills
1: in this movie yeah yeah and in, you, you made a good point there with the choose your own adventure books and during our interview uh, during my interview with Mrs. Spark uh, the topic of video games came up and there are some video games out there that throughout the gameplay every any choice that you make alters the ending and this film has that similar concept uh you know like the walking dead from telltale games is a perfect example uh if you visit the kickstarter campaign for the book of monsters you go to see a slate of concept art i mean some of these art is phenomenal i wouldn't mind having some of these art as tattoos these these creatures are creepy as hell yes i agree um looking over all of the monsters i'm
3: like okay Yeah, that's awesome. And then even the options of the kills are really good.
4: Absolutely. "Yeah." Yeah.
3: So I'm like, okay, do not hold back. Supporters, don't hold back. You know, give it to us. Choose these awesome monsters. Choose the kills. And, you know, I mean, choose Abomination and being
1: the vertical splits wherever that is i don't know what the heck vertical <laughs> split is, but you know you know what <laughs> the, you know this this compels uh, persons to actually donate because they got to look they're going to go down the list and say hey i like that idea i'm going to donate five dollars because i want that idea to come uh, into the film it it and it, it attracts um that participation between the filmmaker and the audience this is great and one of the topics I bring up in the interview is you know AI there have been articles that AI is trying to influence how horror films are made uh, by giving content that the audience that it thinks the audience wants and also in the trailers as well. You know, it computes all this bullshit. No, this is not bullshit right here. This is human interaction. You have a slate of ideas, pick your idea, make a donation. And talking about that, this campaign has under eleven days left. And they have to meet the goal of fifty eight thousand dollars. It's fifty eight thousand, correct, uh Stacy. Yes, fifty eight thousand. Oh,
3: so almost 58,000
1: look at that and you know the days are are, are numbered so if anyone who is interested in seeing this film materialize you know dig into your pocket a little and and give to the. and if you do not know Stuart Sparks uh, cinematic uh, credits do check out The Creature Below that's that's a very intriguing film we reviewed it i personally enjoyed it and uh yeah this is this is what's propelling the indie film circuit forward don't you agree stacy yes
3: definitely agree and i love this um interaction platform i mean they're doing it with you know even social media you go on youtube now and they're starting to do where they're asking the audience questions and the audience can type in their um, comments or their suggestions and all that
1: is great yeah this this i hope this continues between uh, indie filmmakers and audience members this this is what propels the indie film community forward that type of interaction Uh, i could say fuck hollywood fuck them They don't know what to give the horror community. This is what the horror community needs. Ideas like this.
3: I definitely agree.
1: And without further ado, here is my interview with Mr. Stuart Spark.
5: I'm Stuart Spark and I'm the um... Director and producer of uh, *The Creature Below*, which came out last year, and uh, also *The Book of Monsters*, which is funding right now on Kickstarter.
1: Thank you so much. And for my first question, oh, before I begin, uh, we covered uh, *The Creature Below*, uh, which released last year. A phenomenal film, one of our fa- personal favorites, uh, which blend a female strong lead protagonist. And we have a creature feature film that is, in my opinion, it it looks to have a sequel uh, the way it ended.
5: (laughs) Well, I I don't know about that, but yeah, you can certainly (laughs) one.
1: (laughs) And now you started the the Book of Monsters, and this is a very interesting concept. Can you share some insight on the Kickstarter uh, project?
5: Yeah, so we, after we did Creature Below, which was um, a much darker, more psychological horror, and it was a bit slow paced, me and Paul, who um, is my kind of colleague on all of this, he's also the producer and he's the writer of the film, so he always writes and I always direct, which is a great relationship. Um, we really wanted to do something completely different um, and much more fast-paced, much more entertaining and fun really, so Book of Monsters was an idea that we, we came with originally as a short film and it just was too big an idea to fit into like t- even 20 minutes and we thought we need to do this as a feature so we kind of kept the idea. Um, even before Creature Below, we kind of put it aside, and then once we'd made Creature Below and it's finally out there on DVD and VOD everywhere, we were like, right, what's next? Book of Monsters. <laughs> so we, with the, the basic premise of the film is it's six girls have to fight off a horde of terrified monsters at an 18th birthday party. But we wanted to do something really cool with it because we're really interested in uh, interactive media, uh, video games as well. I'm a, a huge gamer, And we wanted to get the audience involved on another level. So Kickstarter offered up this fantastic way of allowing us to um, engage the people who wanted to see the film and also get their input on the monsters they wanted to see, the way that people die in the film. So we've got six choices that the audience are going to be able to vote on, um, which we will then write into the script, whichever are the winning ones. So the audience will have a direct effect on the film so they're essentially getting to see the movie they want to see which we think is a really interesting idea we haven't really seen it done before uh,
1: no i have n- never seen this done before and uh you bring up video games it has been done in video games uh yeah you and throughout the course whatever decisions that you make alter the ending of the video game
5: yeah like i love there was a uh, there was a video game recently um, I think it's actually free on Playstation Plus this month, Until Dawn on PS4, which is a fan- Is the closest you'll probably get to a movie-game hybrid, um, which has a cast of amazing actors in, and you're essentially influencing the course of these characters who go out to like a log cabin and there's uh, some monsters involved. But that game, it's, so, it's presented so well as if it's a film, it's very cinematic. Um, and the lines are really blurring these days. I mean, you have some amazing games, like The Last of Us was fantastic. I got so wrapped up in that like it was a movie. Uh, the Uncharted games, uh, anything Naughty Dog makes, really. Um, but, yeah, the lines are blurred so much now, and I think that is where the future is heading. So we want to kind of get in now um, and start involving the audience in our films because, you know, we, we want them to to get what they want to see really and if they're the ones paying money to see it that we want the ultimate satisfaction of knowing that they decided that that monster would be in in the game in the uh film
1: right and personally the last of us is one of my favorite games i'm looking forward to part two i'm gonna actually buy the playstation 4 just for that game
5: (laughs) (laughs) oh i I just replayed the last of us like the other weekend i spent ages doing it well before we would started doing the um the kickstarter it was like kind of my last free time but yeah, it's absolutely superb game. Really great.
1: And once again, um, from the creature below, you had a strong female protagonist, and here you again you're approaching the same concept, putting female protagonists, strong leads, in the forefront. Um, give, give us your insight on this character, characters development.
5: Yeah, so like it was it was obvious to us um, that we needed strong female. Um, roles in the film because, I mean, women have been mis- un- I don't know, poorly represented in films for a long time, especially horror is, is kind of the worst um, traditionally in the past. Obviously, mo- in more recent years, we've had some amazing female roles come out. Um, but, you know, the-, the the women are often reserved to be running, screaming, probably towards danger, probably barely clothed, and, you know, I've been raised by strong female role models my whole life, like uh, my mum and you know, my girlfriend currently, and they deserve so much better. Uh, and, you know, in, in in today's modern world, it is vital that we had strong female role models on screen. Um, so, yeah, it was a no-brainer really for us. And also, it kind of flips the idea on its head because people will see the poster and they'll see it you know hopefully when it comes out it's like oh six women fighting monsters that sounds cool that sounds sexy and it sells it in that sense but when they watch the film they realize that these women are really strong they're kick ass they're the ones in control and they're people you can look up to they're not your stereotypical uh horror uh women in horror essentially and and not even screen queens as well because i think that is almost a derogatory term i think barbara crampton has said that herself where she hates being called a scream queen because she's not there to be the queen of screaming and running away she's there to you know provide a strong role model for women and fight the monsters and she should be the one with the weapons kicking ass and protecting the men which i think is awesome
1: that's yeah i i agree i'm not too keen with that phrase scream queens i prefer a uh, uh, final girl that, that's a better yeah. term uh, that that describes this. And for the monsters, uh, for the script, uh, do you have six scripts already written that you're going to integrate, uh, as the people choose, you got to choose which script, uh, and then define those scripts for this final, uh, project?
5: Yeah. So it's quite interesting that is that, um, myself and paul essentially came up with the the story breakdown together and then paul's been writing the script but it's almost like a jigsaw puzzle so we've taken several pieces out which are the monsters and the way that people die and as soon as the votes are counted and we we know who the winners are those will essentially be slotted into place so we think we've come with a really clever way to do it efficiently um that's not going to take too long, because essentially, um, if our Kickstart campaign is successful, which we really hope it will be, um, we actually start shooting in early September, so there's literally a month between the campaign ending and us filming, so we had to get stuff as ready as possible, so where we can't wait to find out what people are going to choose, and we can just slot those straight in. And and the unique thing is, I mean, with the monsters specifically, <clears throat> it's a lot easier than you think, because they're always going to show up at the same time in the script. It's just what they look like and how they kill people will be different, uh, which still poses a big challenge for our effects team because they're they're waiting now. They've built kind of the framework of these monsters, but they're ready to go. They need to know kind of how they're going to kill people, what kind of effects they're going to need. So it's going to be a really fun month kind of getting all that ready. Uh, but I think we've done it in a in a clever way Um so that we can pull it off um, quite easily. Um, Easier than you think anyway. It sounds like it's quite a demanding task, but um, we we figured out quite a clever way to do it.
1: Uh, That's amazing. You see, uh, in in my opinion, as a script writer, I use tools such as mind mapping tools. Is that something that you use, or did you use a traditional bulletin board with the uh, (laughs) the diagrams?
5: (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. I mean, myself and Paul, we don't live we don't live too close to each other so when we meet it's either at my house his house or um at an office somewhere so rather than having a lot of physical stuff everything's there's so many great tools on the web that you can use now like Uh, I mean, from stuff as simple as like Google Drive, Google Forms, you know, uh, Google Docs, Google Sheets, to Evernote, which is a fantastic kind of note-sharing tool. We have so many different things online that we kind of refer to, so whenever we meet up, we have kind of multiple screens open and have everything out, so we can't actually really keep the traditional bulletin board with post-its on it it's all digital backed up to several different places but the good thing about that is that we can access it anywhere uh and it is it is hard keeping track of some of the stuff because there's so much stuff to plan and and fit in but yeah we're big big fans of kind of breaking things up into chunks and being able to look at it as a bigger hole and move things around which has been essential for for the jigsaw piece style um <laughs> selection process of this film
1: wow yeah that's thank goodness for modern technology in this regard oh
5: tell me about it yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> and for the monsters I, you know, looking at these monsters and you bring up the topic of video games i'm seeing a lot of influences on video games especially uh the paranormal uh we see the female with the long hair she reminds me of the character from the video game fear and one of my favorite games
5: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh man i love fear yeah like a- there was a recent one, Evil Within, which was was quite cool. There was like a it, there's a woman with the long hair, kind of coming out of the floor, uh, out of a puddle of blood on the floor, and she had like several arms, and it was absolutely horrifying. But I mean, um, I mean, I can't speak for Abigail. Abigail's the artist, Abigail J Harding. Um, you can find her deviant art. Um, page if you search for abigail harding on DeviantArt, but she has come up with some really sick twisted stuff and yeah i guess a lot of it is inspired by uh pre-existing things as some lovecraftian things in there there's a lot of british and american folklore inspired things in there and some more traditional style monsters but she is absolutely amazing at coming up with these twisted horrifying creations and our effects team are kind of uh, they've been working so hard to figure out how they can actually execute this stuff because we want all the monsters to be practical effects. Uh-huh. We we did a lot of stuff on Creature Blow where it had to be CGI, yes, just because we couldn't do it, and there was time-specific things, and um, you know, um, as much as it, it helped the story, and that's what we needed to tell. Practical effects is always where we want to be. It's just time and money with practical effects because everything has to be made by hand. Uh, you've got to find someone to wear it, and then it's how these things interact with the actors. So that's been a really fun process, and we did we did a lot of practical effects on Creature Blow as well, but this, having six monsters this time, uh, has definitely been more of a challenge, but that's why we're looking for, on the Kickstarter, a lot more money than we had on the first film, because we realized the true cost of practical effects, you know, you get what you pay for. So a lot of the money, well most of the money from that Kickstarter campaign is going towards some really cool practical effects and um, we've got Paul Wilkins and Mark Wilkins who are are brothers who have their own effects studio and they have like a team of people ready and waiting to go with all this stuff so yeah we can't wait.
1: Wow and also uh, to, to clarify these monsters i see uh three images per monster is there like a metamorphosis that these monsters will go from act one to act three
5: no so basically what happens there is we want uh there's going to be six monsters in the film and there's one of each of the types so you've got the beast shapeshifter uh the critter there's a paranormal monster there's an abomination um, and I can't remember the other one without being in front of me right now. But essentially, um, the, we, when we open the voting, which hopefully will be very soon, we were going to wait till the end of the campaign. But people are demanding that they want to vote now, they want to decide. So we're going to try and figure out a way how to get that in. As a backer update link, um, but essentially you'll choose one monster from each of the categories. Uh-huh, so you've got three choices in each category because uh-huh. we want to give people the choice. So I think it's quite cool that we've got all these this choice there. So like the shapeshifter one, for example, I really like. There's like a spider yes. woman yes. thing, which really creepy like i want that one to be the one but the audience might not want that to be the one you know what i mean so it's going to be really fun seeing what people want and it's a great it's almost in a way we've realized it's a great market research tool because we get to know what people want to see and that's really going to help us out for future projects and hopefully this is an idea we can expand on for that
1: Exactly. Exactly. See, yes, the, I, I have my personal favorites here. One being the 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 woman, uh, the paranormal category. The second picture, the one the long hair. You know, yeah. Phenomenal.
5: <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
1: Um. Also, um. You see, now that you bring that up, I've read a lot of articles on AI being involved in selecting what the audience wants. But you're taking it. You're providing human input so what is your opinion on ai like taking over the horror genre and you know giving (laughs) catering to this it's ridiculous in my opinion what's yours
5: god yeah i've I've not read much about that that sounds crazy like so is it like ai determining what the audience wants to be in a film like in terms of what happens and casting and things everything i guess that's um I, yeah, I think the audience need to be... You need to listen to what the audience want, and that's something we've done. Creature Below, obviously, we got um, we've got fantastic reviews from, from yourself and, and a few other people. We got some poor reviews from certain people because, you know, it's every film is everyone's taste. We listened to every review, good or bad. We took the feedback, and hopefully we're addressing all the negative points with Book of Monsters and improving upon what people liked, and I think that's a key thing, that you need to do and same with the monsters and the choices that we're giving people you know these are things that we think all the choices are really cool and that people will like and now we're giving people the opportunity to actually tell us exactly what they want so that when they see the film they can go oh my god i chose that one that is awesome or even if it's one that they didn't pick they can go oh actually that was really cool (laughs) either way even though i didn't choose it so um it's yeah having ai kind of choose things through some sort of program sounds bizarre to me i don't know because again it's, we're not quite there yet on that level of um, artificial intelligence to pick the right things and you see a lot of big hollywood studio horror movies that just fall flat on their face because they're clearly not tapping into the audience at all they're trying to make things too broad and uh, Hollywood has a tendency especially big studios to try and cater to all audiences and obviously it's been a huge problem with most films uh, that should be 18 well 18 rated in the UK I mean I guess it's our rating over there yes, um, yes like but they put it down to a pg-13 just so that kids can go and see it and they take out the coolest parts right. so and that's just been such a huge problem for the past 10 years really um I think it was since um gremlins and and stuff like that that you look back and you're like how is this a pg-13
1: exactly exactly
5: (laughs) but you know now things are getting more dumbed down so yeah i'd say it's a bad thing indeed
1: yes exactly and that's what i i always uh state you know the art rating holds a higher significance because you know the filmmaker is a visionary he wants his creation to come to the forefront but that pg-13 kind of dilutes Uh, That vision entirely and I'm not talking about gore or whatever but you know there's certain visions that need to be conveyed
5: yeah definitely I mean you look at um, I'm trying to think like there was Dread Dread was fantastic when that came out but it didn't reach a, a wide audience because it had a higher rating which was unfortunate but you can see that film is as the director intended and it's got such a cult following and like a fan following now And people are demanding more, but you can see why the studios kind of sometimes shy away from stuff, because they think, oh, if it was a PG-13, we could have made toys out of it, and stuff (laughs) like that. And it's, you know, it's really disappointing, but when people do go hard, I I mean, they did it with Deadpool, and look how successful that is.
1: Exactly.
5: But, But then you've got to ask yourself, is that now going to push things too far in the wrong direction, where they make everything you know, ah, uh, because oh, it worked for Deadpool. Let's do it for this, right? So it's it's an interesting balance. I mean, I just love I love studying Hollywood cinema and how it's evolved and changed with the ratings and and how it reacts to trends. I mean, paranormal activity changed everything for the horror genre. Um, so, so did Saw as well um for better or worse so yeah, it's, we just live in, yeah we live in such an interesting time and now yeah jigsaw's coming out and uh i couldn't be more meh about the whole thing you know <laughs> what i mean
1: <laughs> well as a matter of fact we're going to be covering jigsaw the the trailer along in with this podcast <laughs> so, so you can keep your ear up for our opinion of that <laughs> excellent <laughs> uh, oh and also for the film you mentioned uh, that you have practical effects team or special effects team waiting. Uh, is there any challenges aside from the effects that you see forthcoming, especially with all these choices that you have to develop into the script?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's mainly, it's just the time scale, it's the turnaround. So we've got like this month period from when the campaign ends to actually shooting this thing. Obviously, we're as prepared as we can be, but actors need to learn the lines, they need to know the script, and with each of these changes, the script changes ever so slightly, or in some cases, in quite a big way. So we've really got to get this stuff to the actors as soon as possible, so they can learn their lines, we've got to rehearse things, as well as the effects team. So it's quite a big deal, really, we've set ourselves quite a big challenge, but this is all coming from past experience working on The Creature Below and we've made so many short films in, in crazy circumstances now um, that we know what we can achieve and that was, that was the great thing about The Creature Below, you know, whether people liked it or not, is that it was such a learning experience and I, I would say to any filmmakers who are still making short films like who are waiting to make a feature make a feature film, like for better or worse, even if it's super low budget, because you will learn so much about how making films, uh, about, about filmmaking and, and how to do all these things and achieve things and knowing what is possible within your skills and your, your budgets and knowing your limitations. So we, we think we're really prepared for this one.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer on tackling an endeavor with trial and error. Because yeah. if you search for perfection uh, that's not going to work out if you search for errors you can learn and the next project will be much better
5: oh exactly yeah and you see it with a lot of film uh, you know big famous filmmakers now you look at a lot of their earlier work I mean James Cameron Prana too I mean come on <laughs> <In and> Now,
1: <laughs> that is and, true That is true.
5: <laughs> yeah but he's you know he worked in the industry for a long time and in, un- in other roles and um, as a lot of us have you know you've got to experience all the different roles um to kind of become a good director so i've worked in i did so much commercial work before this and worked for museums and music videos and things i didn't really enjoy doing just to kind of get the skills um and you know You do improve. So, you know, I think Book of Monsters is going to be a huge improvement for people who perhaps didn't like Creature Below so much, they're going to get something entirely different on Book of Monsters and something that I think they'll really enjoy. And for people who did enjoy Creature Below, I think they're going to be in for one hell of a ride on the next one
1: exactly exactly and um reading off of the kickstarter page you note that it's a it pays homage to the 80s and 90s and also would have dark comedic elements uh so what are we looking forward to here uh action pace uh more comedy uh how does that work out
5: yeah definitely more towards that action horror vibe like um it's it's gonna have dark comedic elements in there i mean if you've seen the Kickstarter trailer, it's definitely got some comedy elements. I mean, the trailer itself for the Kickstarter plays up the laughs more. The film won't be as comical as that. Right. (laughs) Because we just kind of had to get our point across, and I think we did quite a fun thing with the whole fourth wall breaking voiceover we wanted to bring that in as you know people can choose what the monster's going to be hence why it's kind of pixelated witness protection style and <laughs> um, it was actually a really cool big werewolf costume that we don't really get to show off <laughs> so um, we just wanted to kind of get that across but the film itself is really fast-paced I mean we've got similar to the trailer you kind of get a hint of it that there's going to be they're gearing up for the birthday party but as soon as event, there's a, there's a point in the film that um, triggers the rest of the events in the movie and uh, shit really hits the fan there and uh, it's going to be really action-packed with different groups of people in different areas of the house fighting different monsters and all having to team up, being led by these badass women to fight them all and take them down. Uh, lots of blood and guts. I mean, I'm a massive fan of action horror, like Aliens Yes, absolutely love Aliens. It's it's like next to the thing. It's like one of my favorite films. I agree. Um, So, like, if you imagine the kind of pacing of that movie, which blends kind of scary elements with some really cool gory action, like when the Marines go into the atmosphere processing center and they're seeing all the bodies and then the aliens start attacking and that that, i just love that pace and it's scary and you're kind of like oh my god come on (laughs) you know get him out of there ripley driving the apc all that stuff is i want to channel that kind of pacing into book of monsters to make a really exciting film that really satisfies people who want action and gore and horror at the same time so yeah it should be really fun
1: it sounds, it sounds exciting and I'm definitely looking forward to watching this film. This is revolutionary, you see, this is, this is the type of uh, endeavour filmmakers should look at and say, Let's push the en- this is pushing the envelope.
5: I hope so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say we're revolutionary in terms of what we're doing, because <laughs> I mean, people have done interactive media before, but I think it's... It, when you've got a platform like Kickstarter, especially when you're an independent filmmaker you're asking people to give their money you know obviously they're going to get the film out of it they'll get a dvd or the poster but you're asking people to invest in the film before it's even been made and that is a big ask i mean i've i always browsing Kickstarter, i'm always uh, pledging to projects that i want to see happen so i can get kind of a piece of the film and things like that but we thought, you know, let's give people something better for their time and their money. Let's give them the choice. Let's make it their film. So the whole way we've been approaching this and it's, it's the way that me and Paul work as dark Riff films. Like we have this amazing team of people and they are dark Riff films. It's not just myself and Paul. It's everyone we've worked with bringing them all back on board. And now we're bringing the audience on board going, come and join us. You're part of the team. We want to know what you think, we're going to put it in the movie. Um, and i think that's the the way that a lot of independent filmmakers should be approaching it um because you know when you haven't made that many films and we've made one feature film and we've been lucky that it's got out there and you can pretty much walk into the store and pick it up but we we really want to engage with our audience at this level and you know make friends along the way i mean already on this kickstarter campaign we've had pledges from people who from all over the world who I've never met before putting in big amounts of money because they're like I believe in this project and I want to be involved now before you know it gets further on and gets bigger so it's just been such an exciting process and hopefully well I, I know we can do it justice in terms of what we set out but hopefully we can do even better than that.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, yeah that's, a, that's, a, that's the exciting part and uh, <coughs> touching on the Kickstarter your pledge is uh, $58,000 American uh, this is an all or nothing. So if the <clears throat> Kickstarter uh, doesn't pull through, uh, do you have a backup plan to push the project forward?
5: Well, this is the this is the thing. It's it is one of the larger budgeted Kickstarters, and we've been aware of that going in. It's it is quite an ambitious task, especially for people making their second feature film. But again, because we learned so much about how to budget films on the creature below we now know the real cost of it and we can't make the project that we set out to make in this Kickstarter for anything less than that mm. amount right. which obviously means that if we don't make the target we're not going to make that film specifically mm. we do have backup plans um, for other films because obviously we've made some money from the creature below that we were going to put into this anyway um, it's not as much as the amount we're asking for here but we know we can do something this year where the well I don't want to go too much into it because um,
4: right, right.
5: but obviously um, that the ultimate thing is we can't make this film without me, hitting the target which will kill me inside really and again it's it's done really well so far I mean we've I mean just passed 15,000 pounds which is a tremendous this is already more than the budget of the creature below. Um, there's still 11 days to go. I'm really confident we can still rally some more support and uh, hopefully doing stuff like this, people will really check it out. And we, we've still got a lot of contacts to try and, and keep pushing it. So, yeah, let's, let's keep our fingers crossed.
1: Definitely. So, attention, audiences who are listening do contribute to the Book of Monsters. There's 11 days to go. And, uh, yeah, this is a great project. So, put your money and select your monsters the course of the of the narrative this is very engaging and uh, the platform is open if you would like to share any other thoughts that you have on this project uh feel free
5: uh i mean I ju- i'll just kind of round it off by saying thank you so much to everyone who has pledged so far the response to this has been absolutely amazing we've already made some amazing new friends and members of the Dart Rift family along the way. People have been getting touched, touch, talking about how much they love the monster designs and how much they want this film to happen. And they've been spreading the word on Facebook and Twitter. And I think the main thing you've got to do with these campaigns, especially for people like ourselves who aren't you know mega famous we've not got big celebrity names attached apart from nicholas vince who was amazing that he agreed to do it from hellraiser it's absolutely awesome to have him on board um but getting the word out is the hardest thing so if anyone listening can help spread the word tell your friends about it if you like the project please back it and then tell us about it tell us why you backed it tell us why you want this film to happen because um again If the film doesn't happen, um, if we don't meet our target, we still want to make something and we want to keep people involved. So please do join us and uh, yeah, let's reach our target. I'm still really confident we can do it. 11 days is still a long time. A lot can happen in 11 days. So yeah, let's do it.
1: Yes, I agree. A lot could happen. And I'm confident as well that uh, it would meet its target uh, goal and uh, thank you so much for this interview it's, it's a pleasure talking with you and 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 on this film book of monsters
5: thank you so much for having me on like um you've been fantastic with uh, the coverage of, of the Kickstarter and uh, the, the review of The Creature Below was just amazing so thank you so much Ken and and thank say pass on my thanks to all the team thank you
1: you're welcome you're welcome best of luck to your endeavors and I'm definitely looking forward to watching the book of monsters <laughs>
5: <laughs> great
1: Alright, take care.
5: You too, bye! Trailer Reviews
0: Jigsaw
1: The trailer for Jigsaw dropped earlier this week and it's causing so much fanfare in the horror community. The synopsis reads as follows bodies are turning up around the city, each having met a uniquely gruesome demise. As the investigation proceeds, evidence points to one man, John Kramer. But how can that be? The man known as Jigsaw has been dead for over a decade. The film is directed by Michael Spierig and Peter Spierig, and it is written by Pete Goldfinger. <laughs> the... The are right, <laughs> <laughs> Pete Goldfinger, <laughs> Josh Stolberg, James Wan is the creator, and Lee Wanel is the creator. And uh, watching the trailer, I'm gonna have to say uh, this is basically every other Saw movie with exclusion from the first film. Uh, you have the traps, you have the thriller aspect you have the mystery component uh, you have the poor unfortunate souls being tortured for some reason that they have to vindict some part of a problem in their life or some type of wrong that they have done uh, come on the synopsis already says that jigsaw has been dead over a decade i think this film should be dead for more than a decade just keep it dead uh it ran its course it was good while it lasted you're bringing back you're resuscitating an old concept leave it alone look what happened to paranormal activity it's you know it's going to happen to this film as well uh leave well alone well enough alone so stacy you saw the trailer what is your opinion on this film
3: unfortunate soul Anyway, uh, <laughs> well <laughs> I, had to, I had to it made me think back to you know Ursula and little mermaid but I actually agree with you my favorite part of these films are the traps I mean even if the film itself is just like not that great you can always come on the traps to excite you you know entertain you a bit um, now i really haven't seen past i believe uh soft three Soft three was the last one in the franchise that i've seen and no actually i did see part four but i vaguely remember i don't really remember it you know and when i looked at this trailer it didn't really excite me but the traps were awesome That's- one thing that went through my mother the trucks are always awesome
1: that's about it you yeah. know and you from the saw series one of the highlights that i had looked forward to every year was the poster art you gotta admit that was some very creative artwork for each year for each poster for those films uh you could just google uh saw whatever uh, two three four five whatever and you could see the artwork for this for these films phenomenal i enjoyed that Uh, i wouldn't mind you know just buying the uh, the posters and and just framing them up uh as opposed to the films part one didn't have blood and gore part one was a thriller and it had no blood in it whatsoever it was all a mental game a psychological thriller you did not see the guy cut off his foot the camera cuts away when that happens so you think that he does he does he does not and you know part two and three and this and that all they did was the gore factor and some stupid idiot came up with the word torture porn you fucker that's so that's a stupid (laughs) comparison really very stupid comparison no such thing as torture porn and um Yeah, and audiences ate this stuff up for breakfast. I mean, every year, Saw movie, every Halloween, uh, audiences were flocking, but then again, you know what happened? Saw lost its flair, you know? There's only so much you could do with the same shit every year. And not only that, but I will
3: always say this. The main characters that made the movie's exciting. and the first place is dead. He's been dead since what? Was it part three it was when he died, right? In part three, or was it part two?
1: Uh, I believe part three. I believe part after, three.
3: Yeah, he passed away. So after right. that, I feel like why continue on? Why keep, it, why keep this going? You know, it, after that, that's it, okay? jigsaw's dead okay
1: that's it no more right but they
3: kept on and kept on burning money sure enough they're not the same
1: they're not they're not that's like that's like that episode of friday the Thirteenth, where jason wasn't really jason he was the ambulance driver and when his mm-hmm. mask came off people were like really get the hell out of here what the hell is this same concept here. What or the how hell? How about
3: this? Halloween season of The Witch?
1: There the, you okay. go. You how know, are you gonna how have about,
3: a. <laughs> about, what is that? Hellraiser hell World. Seriously? Yeah. Come on, man. Like, without the main character that made the movie in the first place, there is no movie. The it, now, the I thing agree. with Saw, I think what's really keeping this Saw franchise alive is the traps.
1: Right people as I said people ate that stuff for breakfast that was that was the highlight for each film people were looking for how are these characters going to get killed in what gruesome manner are they going to get killed now mind you I enjoy gory films and this all these series had gore but it's just if if you watch the same thing over and over and over again it was good the first one sure the second one okay but then it starts losing its appeal that's it plain and simple so now we have jigsaw everybody's going crazy for this trailer for the film if you go to uh, other news sources that cover horror i mean they're raving this like like the best thing since sliced bread uh i on the other hand i think this is bullshit, and i agree with you stacy what i believe that they're going to do and i think i brought this point up if jigsaw does well with audiences all of a sudden hey jigsaw wasn't dead anyway he was alive he just did some type of hocus pocus to make himself seem that he died and he's coming back that is if that if this movie makes money that's what would happen if they
3: do that i will no i will lose the owl. If
1: they do that, right? I guarantee you mark my words if that if this movie does well that is going to be the plot if this movie fails miserably oh yeah Jigsaw was he he passed away and yeah they're going to keep the plot open somehow to allow that type these two scenarios to happen but you know what And I
3: think I'm also interested in that whole you know, we're all jigsaw like they going they got going on, or whatever you know, Everybody's wearing jigsaw uh, yeah, jigsaw masks and everything, so um or isn't that the the cover art where every like all the people are wearing is it the hmm?
1: That pig's head?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. The pig's yeah. head. And then they have that whole saying, we're all Jigsaw, (laughs) become Jigsaw.
1: We're all Negan, (laughs) we're all Jigsaw.
3: I think I'm interested in that as well to see, okay, where are they going with this? Everybody's Jigsaw, but when you look at the trailer, it's like, all right, well, how the hell is everybody Jigsaw if everybody is, you know, trapped and didn't kill like I don't see the whole everybody
1: jigsaw here well if you go into INDB listed in the jigsaw uh cast is Torben Bell and he is the actor who portrays John Kramer slash jigsaw so he is in this film at what capacity and at what level does his character have influence that's a different story so as I stand by my word if the film makes money He's coming back. If it doesn't, then they could say, okay, well yeah, it was a one-shot deal. We wanted to
0: see how it's gonna go. Stephen Kings at Remake.
3: It will release in theaters on September 8, 2017. Andreas Muschietti directs Chase Palmer, Carrie Foji Fukunaga, and Gary Doberman pins the screenplay produced by New Line Cinema, Vertigo Entertainment, Lynn Pictures, and Cat Smith Production. The original novel is written by author Stephen King. The cast stars Bill Skarsgård, Finn Wolford, Sophia Lillis, Nicholas Hamilton, Jaden Lieberherr, Owen Teague, Wyatt Oleff, Jack Dylan Grazer, Jeremy Ray Taylor, and Chosen Jacobs. The synopsis. When children begin to disappear in the town of Derry, Maine, a group of young kids are faced with their biggest fears when they square off against an an evil clown named Pennywise whose history of murder and violence dates back for centuries. The official movie trailer for It has been released I already love the selected cast members. It looks like Rich Delia, who is over the casting, has had a keen eye on who is chosen for which role. Of course, the plot is so much different from the 1990 TV series directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. There are perhaps some major changes, first and foremost, that being the whole makeup of Pennywise. Scar Scar looks like a great choice for the role. I personally am not in favor of the new costume. The original not only looked much better, but was also more intimidating. On the same token, it's not really the costume that's important here, it's whether or not Scar Scar has what it takes to pull this character off successfully. By the looks of the trailer, he does a pretty small job. The new poster artist good. There have been several renditions of the poster art and I think this is, this latest one is my favorite. It takes a more minimalist approach, appearance, while still holding mystery and intrigue. I love the mist effects with the kids and Pennywise looking like a creepy shadow lurking in the back. The MPAA rating, it is, the new it is rated R for violence and bloody images. The 1990 series was much more tame in terms of content. I am stuck in the middle as whether or not this is a good or bad thing. Me being probably one of the biggest fans of the original series, I feel what made it so scary was the mystery of it all. An R-rated version could potentially dim down that mystery. On the same token, Andres Muschietti is an awesome director who has made award-winning films and looking at the trailer i feel that it is in the right hand can have you watched the trailer have you even have you seen the original tv series have you read the book what do you think about all of this
1: you see i'm gonna put it, i'm gonna pull one of your moves and i'm gonna say i have not seen the film it
4: okay
3: <laughs> I have yes, not seen. <laughs>
1: I have not seen the film It. I have not read the novel from Stephen King. So coming into this, I have fresh eyes and a fresh perspective. I do know how the other costume looked. I I haven't seen the TV series, but I did see pieces and chunks of it. So I know more or less what's going on. The costume, I, in my opinion, since I'm coming with it with fresh eyes. I appreciate this new look for it It, he looks modern fierce uh, creepier the you know the the makeup and the eyes he looks like a creature that that could do scares in comparison the the other version he was more like a jolly I I guess that's what he's trying to be the jolly happy clown and then he, he morphs into a creature
3: Yes. Um, well, the uh, the 1990 film so was actually a TV series. Um, it says it's a mini series, but the whole the whole thing was like over three hours long. So that was about an hour and a half for both uh, part one and part two. The thing about this movie is, I feel that it's not really a remake of that, but it is maybe more so of a reboot, but I think it's his own film. I think it has nothing to do with the 1990, um, but I just speak of the 1990, because as far as the difference in, you know, okay, what happened here, what's happening here, you know, first of all, the casting, the wardrobe and all of that. But I do feel that it's his own interview, which is a good thing. You know, we always talk how all these remakes are just ridiculous so I, I like that they're making more so of a reboot
1: than a remake right right and i guess this comes into this pulls in the theory for people audience members who are not familiar with the movie concept and they're watching it from fresh eyes say hey look look a remake of i never seen the original so i'm gonna watch this one that still does not sway my opinion i think remake sucks big time And this one may or may not, you know, hit the mark. There have been so many problems with the production for it that I'm surprised that they have actually finished the film and it's, and it's out now.
3: Yes, I agree. And while one thing that has caught my attention as well, is that while it doesn't have a running time, on IMDb. I heard a rumor a while back saying that this movie was going to be in under two hours and I didn't really see how that was possible when when you watched the 1990 the series it took two parts to get that story told you know the first part when they were kids and then second part when they grow up and they're adults so I felt like if it took over three hours to tell the story, then how are they planning to do all of that in under two hours? Or are they just not going to, you know, are they getting away from the whole part when they're adults and going back to face it like they did in the 1990s?
1: So
3: that does come to mind.
1: Well, From the initial discussions uh in the pre-production phase and even during the production phase this was about the early 2016 i would have to check my sources to find which one uh, which source it was uh, whether it was the hollywood reporter or deadline Uh, but it was stated that this would be a two-parter sort of like how the matrix did it with uh, multiple parts like a trilogy so the first part would deal with the kids and then the second continuation film, the kids are already adults and it will continue from there. Just how the television series uh, uh, portrayed that.
3: Oh, that's good. Now, that makes me happy because I was thinking like, well, if they do that, then they're going to leave out a lot of things that is beneficial to the story, you know, so yeah um, that makes me happy so there is going to be a part two this is just hope oh, that makes me right
1: happy. right and uh yeah and one thing that i know if you look at the trailer and in one part the kids are looking at pennywise and he's holding balloons you mm-hmm. you remember that scene stacy
3: those darn red balloons right
1: now you see when I watch any film I always keep an eye out for uh, symbolism there's symbolism in everything from movie posters and in film itself you have to have a keen eye for symbolism it could be a black and white checkered floor in a scene now you might think oh that's just a black and white pattern floor no that means duality that means split personality and it you go further further into it, it as as you study these things that those balloons if you look at pennywise in the trailer he's holding an upside down triangle that is an alchemical magical symbol which can either mean femininity or it means water that's the magical symbol for water and he, those Balloons are red so it could the the color red means sacrifice So he's holding an upside-down triangle which means water and The color is red which is sacrifice. So I'm saying what type of message are they conveying with this symbol here? Why couldn't it be a a Ball of balloons a circle or something? Why did it have to be an upside-down triangle and they find Uh, it in the sewer where there's water so I'm like hmm interesting perspective there mind-blown
3: yeah definitely mind-blown I had no idea about that and obviously me I wasn't I didn't even give no second thought to the uh, you know the balloons other than that they were red balloons wow now that's something new (laughs) That is, so that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I did wonder, like, what's with what a triangle? I did wonder
1: that. Right. You
3: know, I'm like, well, what's, you know, like, in the 1990s, it's like, you was know,
1: no triangle. Right. There is symbolism everywhere. You just have to keep an eye out for it. And as soon as I saw them I'm like, what? The, hmm. That's kind of like blatant like right there people would watch the trailer they would not see it but if you just look at it and like hey that that does not fit in that scene for some reason your mind tells you that
3: yeah yeah i, I did think it was kind of odd i just you know didn't think about symbolism but yeah. i like well what's up with this yeah that's and, what i did wonder like, yeah I was so
1: it's funny because our listeners they'll 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 hear this segment they're like ah symbolism this guy's talking he's talking dribble he's talking conspiracy theory no no I'm talking fact there is a lot of symbolism and and anything that you can find you open up a magazine there's symbolism there I'm not saying Illuminati and all that nonsense I'm just saying symbolism that's it
3: (laughs) yeah I love
1: that's definitely interesting. So whenever you see... Uh, it's usually a, f- a feminine figure. If she's wearing a red dress, it's not because she wants to look sexy. The red means sacrifice. That's the symbolism. That's what that color means. The shape of water. The trailer for The Shape of Water a very intriguing fantasy and i'm going to dub this uh, a romance film as well the synopsis reads as follows an otherworldly fairy tale set against the backdrop of cold war era america circa 1963 in the hidden high security government laboratory where she works lonely elisa portrayed by Sally Hawkins, is trapped in a life of silence and isolation. Elisa's life is changed forever when she and co-worker Zelda, portrayed by Octavia Spencer, discover a secret classified experiment. This is the intriguing point of this film. The film is written, co-written and directed by Guillermo de Toro. The co-writers are Vanessa Taylor and we have one more credit for the writing, which is, no, To. know the total. Thank you, IMDb, for messing with anyway, uh Anyway, the trailer, as soon as, you, as soon as the opening scene unfolds, you are introduced to a story-driven narrative. There is no time wasted in this trailer. You can instantly see the cinematic quality that is conveyed you also see that the acting is on point you have the protagonist you have the conflict you have the antagonist everything is presented the way it should be for a uh, to grab interest for the viewer my attraction to this film is the fact that guillermo del toro is behind this and he has not failed uh in any of his films uh Pacific Rim, uh, Hellboy, even uh, Crimson Peak those were phenomenal films and people mistakenly thought that Crimson Peak was a horror film it was not a horror film ladies and gentlemen anyway (laughs) hey people get confused I hear conversation I did not like uh, Crimson Peak because it wasn't scary dude it it was a romance film set against a supernatural backdrop that was not anything have to do with horror.
4: <sighs>
1: Idiots. <Yeah>. Idiots. <laughs> anyway, uh, Stacy, what did you think of *The Shape of Water*? I I would pay to see a movie like this.
4: Yeah,
3: I agree. Um, I thought it was really good, very suspenseful, and. It kinda of reminded me of say like like a, a film like Splice. Right. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Splice oh, yeah. before, yeah. but she was a yeah, sexy it alien. Me that. <laughs> yeah. So So that made me want to watch
1: it. Uh, once the traitor started to develop and it was the creature and the human uh, uh, connection element, it brought to mind Beauty and the Beast.
3: Ah yeah, I can definitely see
1: that. Right, but we do not have any singing teapots in this film. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that is not this type of film. (laughs)
3: No singer here, ladies
1: and gentlemen. Don't be our guest here. No, no, no. And the <laughs> film stars Michael Shannon, Michael Strawbark, Octavia Spencer, as I've mentioned. Doug Jones is also involved. And if anyone who is uh, a horror enthusiast are familiar with Doug Jones' work, his uh, body movement for these creature concepts are milestone in in horror cinema and of course i had mentioned sally hawkins and richard jenkins as part of the cast but michael shannon for those who do not know he portrays the villain in the superman film uh of course he starred in other films but his villainy character they're they're iconic he he has that demented look you know uh either yeah. on purpose or not but he the, those eyes uh, they're intense so this is a, a good villain antagonist role for this for this actor
3: but he also Mark chan doesn't he usually play antagonists anyway
1: um he has he has portrayed well yeah you're right yeah most of his work are uh are bad guys antagonist
3: Yeah, he makes an awesome bad guy by the way.
1: Yeah. And you know what? One actor told me, this is years back. When you when you have a role, if you're the protagonist, your job is to make the people, the audiences, back you up. Uh when your back is against the wall, they cheer for you, but the work is more harder to convey an antagonist because you have to make the audiences hate your guts. You want them to, to see you die and, and go down in a fiery death or gruesome death. If you convey that type of role, you're a good actor.
3: Definitely.
1: and uh, the shape of water. Ha- are you familiar with Guillermo Toto's Totals, uh, Gideon Murder Toro's* work? Uh, Hellboy, Pacific Rim. Uh, yes. Yeah. Come on. Come on.
3: Yes, I am. Hands Labyrinth.
1: Uh-huh. He Don't has be afraid of the dark. He has not made a bomb, in my opinion. All his, all his films are visually, it's a visual narrative. He's telling the story with visuals as well as with the script. Yeah, he's very good. I
3: agree.
1: My only disappointment is that he did not continue with the Hellboy franchise. Uh, Ron Perlman, he was just waiting for him to reprise his role as Hellboy and uh, now they have uh, another remake or reboot with a different actor I call bullshit on that Uh, you know you gotta give it to Guillermo del Toro he wants to not look back on other projects, he wants to move forward and, and continue his work with different characters hey, you cannot knock the guy for doing that uh, you look at your past, but don't stay in, don't dwell on your past. Move forward. Hey, that's a business decision. My opinion as a fan of the Hellboy films, it, it, you know, one more couldn't have hurt. <laughs> yeah.
0: Charismata
3: Charismata will release soon. An official release date has not yet been announced. Written and directed by Andy Collier and Tor Mian. Produced by Loose Can Films. The cast stars Sarah Backmather, Jamie Stathawait, Jamie Stathawait, and Donis Anthony and Johnny Vibach. The synopsis. As a rookie detective struggling to find acceptance in a police department defined by a culture of bullying and intolerance, things go from bad to worse when the chief suspect in a series of brutal ritualistic murders take a personal interest in her. A game of cat and mouse ensues, which sees Rebecca's grasp on reality spiral out of control. Leading to a terrifying climax where she needs to fight for her sanity, her life, and maybe even her soul. The trailer is suspenseful and intense. A detective investigating the investigating, a series of murders become entwined in the suspect's webs, forcing her into a deadly gaming cat mouse. Ken, have you seen this trailer? What did you think about this?
1: Ah, uh, this, as soon as the trailer opens, it says, Warning. A graphic imagery I was like yeah right I know uh, I was about to say it I get out of here with that nonsense but th- there was no graphic imagery at all I guess you know they just wanted the uh, young eyes or virgin eyes to not see the horrors that that are portrayed in this trailer there is some bloody scenes yes but the film uh, based on the trailer it is a very provocative psychological thriller i enjoyed the trailer the cinematics were wonderful uh, i'm drawn to the protagonist in a way i want to find out what is happening to her and from the beginning of the trailer you see that she's uh you know she's not appreciative of her work of her line of work and then by the end of the trailer you see a lot of shit is happening to her you don't know if she's lost her marbles or she got cursed because she's investigating satanic rituals and you know you don't mess with stuff you don't know so probably along her investigation she might have tampered with something and she got a demonic force uh, that's messing around with her head i i want to see this film yeah. for the cinematics for the acting for the narrative i see so, yeah, Shari's Mata definitely caused my attention. Uh, Stacy, any, any follow-up for that?
3: Yes, I felt the same way. Uh, the trailer definitely caught my attention. And it also reminded me, have you ever seen The Sale with um, Jennifer Lopez?
1: Yes, that is one of those films that Jennifer Lopez has done that... That is, uh, that are, they were good. It does not not involve her and her big ass. It actually involves some <laughs> acting.
3: No Judy from the block.
1: It's
3: <laughs> just Jay
1: <laughs> Exactly. She did good acting in the. Good. Good. The word is yeah. good, not great. Yes, I, I agree. I uh,
3: really like that movie. Um, and just watching the trailer to Charismata, it took me back to that film
1: itself. So, the cell because of the
3: weirdness going yeah. on Yeah, you know how Lo has she had tapped into the the killer's mind and everything you have all these weird images that come to play so i guess that's why it took me back to that film
1: right the images for charismata mm-hmm. is, is 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 fantastic i i, I really enjoyed the visuals, the camera work, and it's the protagonist. I want to know what is going on with her. You know, it draws me in. I am curious to find out if she's local or if she's possessed by a demon. Yeah, um, I definitely want to find
3: that out too. I think this would
1: be a good film. I really do. This is one another one that I am looking for. Right, right. And I can't wait for this film to come out. Uh, Interesting, interesting. It's an original concept. It's this is an original narrative. No other film comes to mind when I was watching the trailer. I say, okay, Uh, okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, We're gonna have to wait and see.
3: Definitely.
1: Thank you for tuning in to season five, episode two. My name is Ken Artus, founder and editor for DKMag.com. That is D-E-C-A-Y-M-A-G.com. And I stress again, we are not DK Magazine. We are not DK. We are DK Mag. And joining me as co-host was.
3: Stacey Kai, staff correspondent for DK Mag. We're on Stitcher. Be sure to rate and review DK Mag on Stitcher, rating and review, and help us rank.
1: And you can find us across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Of course, our podcasts are available on Google Music as well as iTunes Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Please visit our website where we stay up to date with the latest news reviews interviews and also download and listen to our podcast because the higher percentage of our downloads and listens the higher we climb the ranks and make our content popular so thank you in advance
3: thank you